0: Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Dan is bringing you a teaching, so head over to CrosswalkPhoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk Notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Dan. If you'd like at this time now to get out your Crosswalk Notes, the top it says, The Story and, and Paul's Final Days. we are in the story and and we are now have gotten to the point where there's this lesson and one more and we're done we've gone through basically the whole bible an overview of the whole bible and this is a time when when it's after jesus has lived and died and rose again and ascended into heaven. And now Paul was, was a witness, witnessing uh, his, his faith, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ and, and specifically getting to the point where the end of his ministry was going to take place. And at this time what we're going to do is we're going to show a little video that will kind of summarize exactly where we are at and what we're going to cover.
1: Paul traveled all around telling people about Jesus. The Holy Spirit compelled him to return to Jerusalem. Paul didn't know why, but he had a sense that there was trouble ahead. When he arrived in Jerusalem, Paul went to the temple to share about how he had encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus. His story angered some of the Jews so much that they dragged Paul away from the temple and tried to kill him. Just before they could, a group of Roman soldiers arrived and arrested Paul. On their way to the jail, Paul asked if he could say something to the crowd that had gathered. The soldiers agreed, and Paul told them about his experience on the road to Damascus. When Paul told them that God called him to share God's message with non-Jews, called Gentiles, they started screaming for him to be killed. So the soldiers took him into the barracks. When they discovered that Paul was a Roman citizen, they became fearful of doing anything to harm him. This led to a series of courtroom battles where the Jews and Romans fought to decide what to do with Paul. Finally, Paul insisted that because he was a Roman citizen, he had the right to go to Rome and appeal to Caesar. Paul awaited his trial in Rome. He was allowed to live in his own home, under house arrest. For over two years, Paul served others by inviting them into his home and telling them about Jesus and his message. Paul was eventually let go and began to travel again, but was quickly arrested and returned to Rome. This time, he was forced to live in a cold dungeon, chained like a criminal. Eventually, he was executed by the Roman government. Unfortunately, Paul wasn't the only apostle to be executed for what he believed and for telling others about Jesus. In fact, almost every one of the original disciples of Jesus was killed. All of them, except for one.
0: All right. Before we get started, I, I don't know if you realize if if you're a baseball fan. I don't know if you follow baseball very much, but this last week was a very big week in baseball because it was uh, the end. It was the trading deadline uh, for Major League to have unrestricted trades from team to team. And I am. I've been a baseball fan my whole life, and and I remember I used to hate the trading deadline because it was the time when The Cubs would trade any good players they did have uh, to other teams for players who didn't seem to be very good. And uh, we would just lose more games than we had in the first half of the season. And this year was no exception. Uh, as they traded their all-star pitcher, Jeff Zamarja, uh, they traded him to the Oakland A's for some people I've never heard of, some minor league prospects. And there were other trades. Uh, again, if you follow baseball, you know what these trades were. Uh, John Lester being traded from the Boston Red Sox. He's a World Series champion. He's, he's really the ace of their staff. Uh, traded him, and they traded him to Oakland. So, and and uh, Ivana Cespedes the the player from Oakland, who he won the the uh, home run derby at the All Star game the last two years. If you're following baseball, you're like, yeah, I know. And if you don't, you're like, we have no idea who these guys are, Pastor. What are what are you talking about? But every year, it's, it, this happens in Major League Baseball, where there's a flurry of trading, and, and a lot of it has to do with contracts and individuals who aren't going to be under contract, and the team's not going to resign them, and so there's all this trading that goes on back and forth. And, and sometimes, as you look at these trades, to just the normal fan, they don't make a lot of sense, And so, in your mind, what helps me is, first of all, that you need to understand that a person, if they want to understand these trades, need to understand baseball. And the first part of it is a baseball game. I think most people here could understand, what is the objective of a baseball game? And I think if you put it very simply, the objective of a baseball game is that after nine innings that you have more runs than the other team. Plain and simple, that is what the objective, that is what we call a win in baseball. More runs after a certain number of innings. The thing about it is, when you look at major league teams, major league teams are not just trying to win a baseball game. They are not trying to just get the most wins they can in a season. After winning a baseball game, if you were to talk to the Arizona Diamondbacks and ask them at the beginning of the season what the goal of their season is, I think they would say another win for them would be that they want to win their division. And so the Arizona Diamondbacks are with the Los Angeles Dodgers, San Francisco Giants, Colorado Rockies, San Diego Padres, and the National League West, and they know if they're going to get to the playoffs and and they want to go through the playoffs, they they are going to want to win their division, will assure them that that they will be able to do that. But then if you talk to them even more and, and ask them what the win is, what a successful season is, I would say every team at the beginning of the year, if you were to ask them, what do you want to accomplish? Their goal, their win, is to win the World Series. Every team is trying to build a team that will help them get ultimately to the World Series championship. And so at the end of the season, really only one team has what you would call the ultimate win, and that is to be a World Series champion. And what happens is halfway through the season, when a team realizes they are not good enough to be a World Series champion, they start making trades that in the short run might seem like, like they're not good trades, but in the long run, as they look at prospects and, and, and young players who are going to be much better than they are at that moment... They're willing to trade away players who are at their prime for the possibility of a future World Series. It's interesting because you have all of these teams making trades, some for the present, some for the future, trying to win. Because everyone wants to follow a winner. Now that having been said, if you're still listening, because I was talking about baseball... The question I have for you today is, what is the win? What is the objective in life? If you read the email I sent out this week, I I talked about that every game, that everything you do has an objective. And so Candyland, if you've ever played Candyland before... There's an objective to the game, to get to the Candy Castle. That's what you do. And so you you get all the different colored cards, and ultimately that's where you want to go. It's Candy Castle. There's a a game that was popular when I was a kid, the Game of Life. And, And in that game, the goal was to retire with as many achievements and money as you could have. And that person then was the winner. But now, if I were to ask you today, how would you articulate what you are trying to accomplish, what the win is in your life? I think it might be a little difficult that if I were to ask you, what do you want out of life? Just one thing. What is it? How do you win? How do you feel like you've accomplished what you're trying to accomplish? And I think if you can't answer that question clearly, you are going to be frustrated as you face different issues in life. And, and you're going to be faced with a number of questions on what you should do. And that's why as we look at this at, at Paul's final days. We are going to see that, that Paul was a winner. Uh, that, that he understood the purpose of life. He knew how to play the game if you will. And ultimately he accomplished everything that he wanted to accomplish. And the Lord wants that for you as well. And so we go back to, this is towards the end of Paul's life. Uh, if you want to read about that, you could look at, at the book of Acts, uh, and, it, and it shares uh, some shipwreck that he went through on his way to Rome, and his first imprisonment in Rome, and some of the things that happened. And also, while he was in prison, he wrote a number of letters, And we're going to look at a couple of these letters. One of them was a letter to the church at Philippi. We're going to look at at some of these letters that he wrote. Another letter was to Timothy, uh, a young pastor, giving him encouragement as he faced his ministry. And we will see that as we look at these, we'll also be able to glean so much to help us in our walk with Christ. Our first reading, then, is from Philippians 1, verse 21 to 24. And this is when Paul says, For me, for to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body see what what Paul was wrestling with really as he was in jail the the question was for him what would what if someone were to ask Paul what would you want what would be the best case scenario for you right now that Paul would say the best case scenario for me would be to die right now and go to heaven That that would be, like, awesome. No more struggle, no more hurt, no more pain, no more heartache. Just go home and be with Christ. But there's another part, and that's the part of going on living. Because I realize there are also people here who depend on me. That I realize the role that I play in God's kingdom of of serving the churches and, and preaching Christ is also very important. And so, as I I balance those two, what I what I realize is I'm just going to keep on working until Jesus calls me home, and and when He does, that'll be a great day. And until that day, I will just keep working. And so, in the blank, uh, you can write: In ministry, we need to know the win. The win for Paul was sharing Jesus in his life, and then going to heaven. When this life was over. Plain and simple for Paul. And and as you look at that. I hope you see. There's such a clarity. In, in Paul's mind. Of, of what he should do then. Because either it was going to to be, go home and, and be with Jesus or to, to continue here and, and to keep sharing Christ. And so as decisions would come up in his life on what he should do, it was always, well, what would serve the gospel best? What would be a way that would help me best share Jesus Christ? And when you look at that clarity, it shouldn't surprise you that, that Paul has it because Jesus had it as well. That when you you look at the life of Jesus Christ and, and think of it in terms of clarity, Jesus knew exactly why he was here. He came here to live a perfect life, He came here to die on the cross three days later to rise from the dead, so that he could pay for the sins of the entire world and so there were times there were there were times when people tried to Muddy the waters a little bit for Jesus. When, when Satan tempted him, the temptation, when, when Satan tempted him and, and uh, had him say, you know, you should change these stones to bread or, or you should get God to do some things for you or I'll give you the whole world. That in each one of those, because Jesus had clarity of purpose, he wasn't here to serve himself, he was here to serve the Father, he was here to pay for the sins of all people, that it it allowed him to see through those temptations. At times when Jesus was with his disciples and he made very clear to them, the time is coming, we need to go to Jerusalem and the Son of Man will be betrayed into the hands of sinners uh, and and I will be crucified and I will die and, and three days later I will rise. The disciples, because they didn't have that same clarity, said, no, you shouldn't do that. You should stay as far away from Jerusalem as possible. You you should stay away from death. It's something that should be put off and put away. And Jesus told them no. And again, we benefit from this clarity as we look in hindsight that Jesus knew exactly what he was supposed to do and did it. Paul had that same type of clarity, here to share Christ. And now my question is, if in life you are struggling with a lack of clarity on what you should do, on, on what direction, if you have these questions on, I, and, and you come, you know, I don't know what, what, what God is trying to tell me or, or where he's, he's trying to lead me, could it be perhaps that you've lost your purpose? That, that you are not looking at how you are going to share Christ and, and share this great gift that you have been given with in Jesus as long as you are here until the Lord brings you home in heaven? But is it possible that, that maybe your purpose in life has become self-serving? We go to the next, the next portion, and, and it's something that, that Paul realized was happening in the world in which he was living. Philippians three eighteen and 19 says, for as, I have, for as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. And their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. And the interesting part there is many live as enemies, notice, of the cross of Christ. And it's specifically the cross. The cross is where Jesus had to go to pay for sins. And and many live as enemies of the idea that you would call me a sinner or I, I live as an enemy of the fact that you would tell me that what I have done in my life is so bad that it would necessitate the death of someone in order to pay for that sin. And when you live as an enemy of that truth, the truth of of sin and the fact that that I need a Savior from it, you turn from Christ, and the only other place to turn then is to the other God, and that is self. And and this whole idea of serving self. And, And notice then, then their destiny is destruction. But notice, their God is their stomach. Whatever they want. They they try to make themselves happy. They try to do things that, that will make them happy. And their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on right here and now. Earthly things. All of these things. And what did Jesus have to say in his ministry about this? He asked the question. He asked it this way. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? They said, you know, you spend so much time thinking on the things of this life and all of the comforts of this life that, that you don't think about the things that are most important, and that is how your soul is served and, and how you grow and, and, and storing up treasures in heaven. In the blank, you can write, if your win is to serve yourself, you will lose. If your win is to serve yourself, you will lose. And again, you can tell when you're trying to serve yourself if your target in life, if your win is happiness. And you're going to lose, you're going to lose twice. That, that if you make happiness your goal in life, you're going to lose twice. And, and the first reason is, happiness is a moving target. That, that it is something, just about the time, that if you've ever said, if I get this, this will make me happy, uh, I, I will tell you, I, I lived that way as a child. And I had, the, the target date was always Christmas, because it was always the one present that I wanted. There was, uh, we would go through the catalog, Sears catalog, when I was a kid. That's the way we did it back then. And we'd circle the things we wanted. And if I just get this present, then I will be happy. If I just find this person, or this relationship, or if I just get this amount, I will be happy. And what happens is think about this for a while. I want you to think about the longest amount of time in your life that you've been happy and then had the happiness end or or the happiness slowly taper off and then it was now I need something else that my attention is faced somewhere else and, and I need something else now to make me happy. That's because, again, as I said, happiness is a moving target that we're never able to truly hit. That's the first loss if you live in life that way, that you're not going to be happy. But the second part of that is, what good is it if you gain the whole world and forfeit your soul? And that's the second loss, and that loss is even more tragic than the first. Because God is the one who calls you a loser, To say that your soul is forfeited, that you are going to be separated from me for an eternity. And so you will have an eternity in hell being separated from God, considering how you wasted your life trying to make things that would make you happy when you missed the win, which was living for the Lord and recognizing what he had done for you. Each one of us, we have a sinful nature, and I'm telling you the sinful nature wants to go that path. Your sinful nature will always be pulling in that direction, looking for happiness somewhere else, somewhere other than God. And that is why we need to come here and on on a regular basis, on a daily basis, confess that. You need to confess that. I need to confess that about myself. Saying, Lord, please forgive me today and every day for the times I've looked somewhere else other than you for happiness and contentment. We go back to Paul. And and Paul had lived that life and been unhappy and and then was given the privilege of of understanding what the win was in life. And this is what he said in Philippians 1. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. I'm just going to stop there for a second and, and just say this one more time, one more way. That, that if you make happiness your, your target, you'll never hit it. But if you make sharing Christ in your life the target, you'll never miss it. And the reason why you'll never miss it is the circumstances that go on in your life become almost irrelevant. Because you don't need the proper circumstances, you don't need the proper things to happen in order to bring these opportunities, but they come to you no matter where you're at. Again, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me, being in prison, has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace garden and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. And so as Paul is living his life, First of all, sharing Christ with whoever would listen and then waiting to be with the Lord in heaven, what he found is other people were able to see that in him. And through the the preaching of Christ, not only did others believe, but others who did believe then were given courage to share their faith as well. A double win for Paul. And so what were some of the circumstances that helped Paul move towards the win? Imprisonment. Prisonment was the first one. Shipwreck was another one. Sickness and suffering, or suffering and sickness, was the final one. And there were others, but these are just the big Three. And I want you to think about that for a moment because sometimes if you're like me, you look for just the right circumstances to share Jesus. Like, you know what? I, I was going to talk to my neighbor, but it just wasn't right because he was taking his garbage can in, and I was taking my garbage can out, and we were talking about the Diamondbacks, and then it just, it just wasn't the right time. And, and then other times where, you know, yeah, we were downtown, and I saw him, but I didn't want to... There are so many times that I will admit that I've done that, that I've wasted opportunities looking for just the right time. And I am telling you, and, and Paul is proof of it, that sometimes the worst time is the best time to share Christ. And, and as you look at those things, again, Paul would have preferred to not have been shipwrecked and, and not to been in, have been in prison and not to suffer. But specifically, the imprisonment. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Jeff talked about this last week, that uh, one of the things I do is go, go visit a guy in prison in Yuma. And, uh, and he said, yeah, it's a captive audience, and he kind of joked about it. And, and that's true. But I'm telling you that, that people who are hurting are, are usually, it's easier to share Christ with them than those who have things going very well. And these are the people that, through his imprisonment, Paul had the opportunity to go to. People that were in power. Uh, People that were movers and shakers in the community. People that probably would not have given Paul uh, an appointment in their appointment book. And now, through his imprisonment, he was given an audience and a a pulpit uh, to share Christ that he did not have before. The shipwreck that he was in as well. Again, the ship was destroyed and so many different things happened. Go back to the book of Acts if you want to look at the shipwreck of all of these different things. But God used it as another opportunity to preach to those people that were on the ship, to preach to the people on the island of Malta where he was at. It was given an opportunity for others to show love to Paul as well and help him as he went to Rome. And in his sickness and suffering, that was a blessing from God to Paul because of, of a problem Paul had with pride and arrogance. That, that Paul's the one who says, to keep me from becoming conceited because of all of these great things that I've seen, God gave me this, this thorn in the flesh, this messenger of Satan to torment me. And, and because Paul understood the wind. With clarity, the clarity of sharing Christ no matter what circumstances I'm in, that he was able to look at every one of these and and see through them, see past them to the win that God was working through him. And now, my question to you is can you see through them in your life? I want you to think about the things that are bringing you the most pain right now. And as you look at that, usually the way I think, it's my default as well, that I look at those things that are bringing pain and suffering, the things that aren't going the way that I want them to, and it makes me feel like I'm losing in life. It makes me feel that I'm not getting what I want. Instead of saying, in this situation that God has brought me, is is he getting what he wants and what he wants through me? I think of just a couple of these, and and all of us have them in personal ways. Probably the, the biggest thorn that I've had in, in my life is anxiety attacks. I'm telling you, I, I think I've mentioned this before. I was this close, I, this close to quitting being a pastor because I was throwing up before before preaching every Sunday because I was so like I was going to choke and I was going to be horrible and, and my sermons were going to be bad. And it was just so self-centered. It was unbelievable. I mean, as I look back at it, and, and through the blessing of this, the number of people that I've had the opportunity to, to talk to who have gone through anxiety and issues of anxiety, I can't believe how many people suffer from this. And it's given me an opportunity Another one, I, again, I, I look at the, my niece. Uh, in the last month, her son died within 24 hours of when he was born. That's not the way it's supposed to work out. It's not. And, and as you think about the funeral and, and all of the pain and the suffering, uh, I, I, they have shared with me and they've called me a number of times, because I'm the favorite uncle or something I don't know and 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 I think it's because they feel a closeness with Christ and want to share it with me that they've used this opportunity to witness to other parents it, who, who were in the uh neonatal intensive care to the to the nurses to to other families that they have run into and and to share the hope that they have in Jesus Christ that in the middle of a catastrophe God has built a pulpit from which they have the opportunity to share Jesus Christ. And they're able to look at the life of their child and to say, if the win in my child's life is the same as mine, to share Christ while they're here and then to go to be with Jesus in heaven, not only has my child won by virtue of being in Jesus' loving arms now, but through what has happened, it's given me the opportunity to minister to other people who suffer in the same way and let them know that they are loved by Christ. What pulpit is God building in your life through pain and suffering that gives you an opportunity to share Jesus? And what's the win? Paul goes on. He says, remember Jesus Christ. <laughs> just want to say this one more time. I, I, I picked this on purpose because the... the those words are so important that in the middle of this, do not forget Jesus Christ. Remember Jesus Christ. Because as we look at God doing this, that, that this is purposeful, but in case you think it's easy, the word easy is never used. The, the word fun is never used. That when Paul is talking about his beatings and imprisonment and, and things that if he, had the, the, if he had his choice, he probably wouldn't have gone through. But as you go through them, remember Jesus Christ. Remember that you are loved. Remember your Savior. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel for which I am suffering, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. I'm chained. You can chain me, but you cannot chain my God. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. And I'm just going to tell you right now, the fill-in that I put in is unfortunate and not the best one I've ever had. You can put in there, Paul was willing to take one for the team, but that's that's the wrong filling. It is. I'm just going to tell you right now. Because it directs you at Paul instead of at Jesus and the unchained word of God that works through you, even though the circumstances of life may may have you chained up and not doing what you would want done, that they do not chain your God. And that through those chains, that, that God work, God works unbelievable things through the message of Jesus Christ and the forgiveness of sins that we have in there. So by tomorrow I'll make another one up that that showcases Jesus and and remembering him in the midst of of the difficult part. And the reason why I chose this though is this, is I was thinking about baseball. And one of the things in baseball is is the sacrifice. It's a lost art in baseball. The sacrifice bunt. It it, it was always a favorite of mine. I'm a baseball purist. And, And so the sacrifice bunt, the concept of that it can be tied three to three in the ninth inning, and we have someone on first base, and I'm willing to use my out, my at bat, I'm willing to give it up to bunt to get that runner to second base so that the person behind me can drive them in. And then what happens is, is then the next person does that, and they forget about the, the person who did the sacrifice, right? Because, you know, I wasn't the person who scored, I wasn't the person who got the hit, I just had the sacrifice, but as you think about that idea of sacrifice for Christians, my goodness, the sacrifice that Jesus gave, remember that sacrifice. The sacrifice of Paul that he was willing to give because why? He understood the win. The win was to bring other people to heaven with him. And so for us, as we look at this, not the take one for the team, but understand your need in life that there will be times to sacrifice, to give yourself up so that others can come to heaven with you. Things that are painful, things that are hard, but focus us on the win. And as Paul understood this, he also knew that he, he didn't want to do this alone. And so in 2 Timothy 2, verse 3, he says to Timothy, young pastor, join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Nice letter. Hey, I'm in jail, and I'm writing, I'm suffering. Hey, Timothy, why don't you join me? Come on to jail with me. Come on and suffer. Have this, yeah, it's a party. But notice, he says, join me. And later, he, he says even more clearly what he's talking about. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears will want to hear. They will forget the when. They will forget the purpose, the objective of why we are still here. And, and, and you need to be reminded of what that is. And so, in the blanks, we can write, Paul worked to raise up or equip. Paul worked to equip the next generation of leaders in Christ church. Paul worked to equip the next generation of leaders in Christ church. And so I would argue there are two kinds of people here today. Are you a Paul or are you a Timothy? Are you someone who has been equipped and a leader who is, who is looking out at other individuals who need to, to join you in, in doing ministry? Or are you a Timothy that, that maybe looks at you're someone who says, I don't even know how to do that or I don't, I don't know where God wants me serving at this time. I, I see this in so many different places, growth groups as an example, uh, where you have a, a growth group leader and then you have individuals who are in the group. And, and I've started thinking about this even more with this, this message. What's the win in a growth group? Is the win that, you know, I, I just find like a family and it, it makes me feel good and, and that I'm, I'm connected with Christ, connected with others? Absolutely. But is there more of a win to this? That as you look at at an opportunity to share Christ with others until I'm taken home to be with Christ in heaven, that that the danger, and, and not just in growth groups, but in anything that we do, that we can take these wonderful gifts from Christ and be selfish about them. Remember the win, sharing Christ with others, and ultimately being with the Lord in heaven. So I want you to think about that this week. Are you a Paul or a Timothy? If you're a Paul, look for your Timothy. And if you're a Timothy, look for a Paul. Someone to, someone to show you where your next step is serving. And finally, where we end is, is at the end of Paul's life. This is what he says to Timothy, kind of cryptic words. For I'm already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. I win. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only to me, but also to the one who longed for his appearing. And in the blanks, you can write, Paul's ministry did not end in death, but life. Last year, I was at a global leadership summit, and and one of the most powerful points of of the message to me, of, of all the things I heard, revolved around the life of Paul and the disciples and where we ended here. And all of them except John ended in a martyr's death. And we don't know exactly the Bible. I would should say this. The Bible doesn't tell us exactly how they died. But it comes from uh, church fathers and different writers how they died. And so we don't know for sure that, that, that if Paul is, uh, was beheaded or exactly how he was killed. Others were crucified. Peter crucified upside down. Uh, others were died with gladiators, uh, lions in the Colosseum. And so, when they came to the end, this is what the end might have looked like for Paul, coming to the Colosseum. That, that as he would have gone there, this would have been the place where this is how it's going to end, Paul. This is, this is what the end is going to look like when you are killed by those who are enemies of the cross of Christ. But, but as, as that, that was being shared, the This truth that if you were to talk to Paul today and he were to look back on his death, that one of the things that he would not realize until we showed him is that that's not what the Colosseum looks like today. Instead, what this is, this is the emperor's entrance to the Colosseum. And so at the place where the emperor used to stand, where Nero would have stood as Christians were being killed, stands the cross of Christ. And to tell Paul, you, you're not a, a loser. My goodness, Christianity won. That, that with the sharing of Christ and all the sharing that you did, uh, the, that it would affect the nation, it would affect the world. And so another view from the inside of the Colosseum, uh, this would show, again, where the emperor would stand and, and where that cross stands today. And the best part of, of sharing this is is to tell tell. Tell, tell him this do you realize that, that now we name our children in honor of you we call them Paul and we have Peter and, and we have John and, and we use the disciples names as ways that we remember Christ and, and we follow him and we name our dogs Nero <laughs> and, and, and Caesar and and, 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 we, and that's the way it is. You know why, Paul? Because you win. And so, this is so refreshing to me because I'm telling you, and, and you might feel this way, more days than I would like to admit that I feel like I'm losing, And I feel like I'm losing because I know my own weakness, I know my own sin, that I lose focus, I lose clarity, I I forget why I'm here. And this is as a pastor, so I don't even know how hard it must be for you. But the encouragement, again, is to remember Christ Jesus. This is our gospel, that you have been forgiven. You are a loved child of God. And this ends in heaven which is greater by far, but until then, the win is sharing Jesus. And I would ask you, as you go through any decisions you have in life, if you want clarity, ask yourself the question, how is what I'm doing bringing Jesus to other people how is it helping me share jesus how is it giving me a, a stage a, a soapbox on which to stand to let others know about the hope that i have in jesus and the promise from your god is that when you do that you will and do win amen let's pray dear lord god we thank you for the difficulties in life Uh, It's hard to say, but but at times like this, when we're reminded, we say it. Lord, thank you for the things in, in, in our life that are difficult, that also give us the opportunity to trust you and to share you with others in our lives. Uh, Thank you that on a day like today, you remind us of the win that we have in in Jesus Christ. Now help us to, to go forward, Lord, sharing Jesus with every breath we have until you take us to be with him in heaven. And for that, we thank you. Amen.
1: So, before we close, if you would like more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, Head over to CrosswalkPhoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline on Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sundays
0: at 9 and 11 a.m. Visit our website for directions. And now some closing thoughts from Pastor Dan. As you go home tonight, I I hope, if nothing else from this message, that you are given the gift of clarity. Uh, Clarity as you look at your life and and as you think about what the win is, to understand that through Christ you have it. You have the wonderful gift of heaven in your future, and now the privilege of being able to share him uh, until he brings you to heaven. So as you go, uh, go with the Lord's blessing. Lord bless you and keep you. Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you in favor and give you his peace. Amen. Have a great night.